0: time for the Necromaniacs podcast this week. It's me and Jeff Kashid. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, man. How are you doing? I've been better. And we'll yeah. Leave it at, and we'll leave it at that.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, I, uh, I've been better, too. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's how it goes here, you know?
0: Yeah. So uh, before we get going, I just want to give our shout-outs, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Brandon Legion and the Horror Wolf 666 podcast. And also sending out uh, mad, mad Love to Break the Apocalypse. Uh, those guys have been repping us, and we're repping them. So uh, check both of those shows out. You will not be disappointed. Sure. So what have you been up so to? So anyway,
1: man? well, you know, Mike, I think last week talked, I went on a little uh, recon road trip to
0: uh, Austin, Texas. I do remember that. So you made it back in one piece. Uh you I know, did un- make it back in one piece. Uninfected and uh, you know, everything's good? Everything's good, man. Had a a really good time. It's uh
1: real Texas really is the bizarro Los Angeles. Like it it's still got the traffic and the homeless, but no one's wearing a mask and no <laughs> one wants to listen to the 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 government or anything like that. It was um, really kind of scary at first to go into a restaurant and like just just sit and eat in a restaurant inside it was uh, very weird and the guy you know without a mask comes and serves you your food no not every place there were a lot of places i went to like uh Torchy's tacos shout out to that place uh some of the best tacos i've ever had in my life um you know they were masked up wearing gloves and everything and i felt comfortable but like there was just some like restaurants that 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 did not give a fuck and the waiter is just like you know like reaching into you to hand you your food and his face is like a foot away from yours (laughs) and um we we decided it's like we definitely got covid on this trip (laughs) like we we really really thought but exactly then we went to a a taping of a live podcast the, the 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 kill tony podcast i don't know if you're familiar with that i don't i don't
0: listen to comedians really i don't like
1: comedy yeah yeah, well, you know, I, I can tell, Mike, you're a dark, mysterious guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, you see, it's a podcast that used to be done at the Comedy Store here in L.A., but, you know, they weren't allowing anything like that, so the hosts moved the show to Austin, Texas. And uh, I've been dying to go to this show since I discovered it during the pandemic. I'd listened to it at work all day and it just made me laugh and made me really not think about the state of the world. So I was really excited to go and see it live. But it's inside in a in a bar in a you know comedy club and no one was wearing masks no one and uh, <laughs> it was really freaky like bartenders were real nice but not masked up or anything and like at first it was freaky but after a few drinks you know a little lubrication you know I was laughing having a good time woke up the next day. I'm like, we had if, if we got COVID, it was from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I can see that. Fear. We're both vaccinated. And, uh, you know, here it is almost two tomorrow will be two weeks since, since that podcast. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fine. Uh, had a great day. It was 20, it was a 20 hour drive. We drove, we drove my car there and back. Um, you know, I hadn't done that in a long time, you know, just taking the 10 all the way out to, uh, Austin uh you know doing 13 hours in, in in a car you know kind of reminded me of uh touring days sure I could see that well, except I was doing the driving some you know like in those days I wasn't doing any of the driving <laughs> um but yeah it was great and I think uh, I think Austin is in my future as far as uh as far as living I think that's uh I think that's gonna happen
0: well I I wish you luck on that Uh, you know, apparently, uh, the Texans don't care about women's rights either as well as math. So
1: I got at least 10 text messages about that. Like, um, I'm not going to get it. It's obviously terrible and and, and tragic and awful in in every way, but I got to think about my own life and what's best for me and my girlfriend and what we want as we get older. And, uh, You know, we want a house that's in a cool city or near a cool city, and that's not happening in Los Angeles. Um, And there's things about this city that we're starting to get really frustrated with, and it just doesn't seem viable to stay here the rest of our lives. So
0: I'll just leave it at that. You know what I think about sometimes is, like, I wonder what L.A. is going to be like, like, say, next year when there's, like, you know, I, I go on a U.S. tour next year and I go to L.A., and I play a show there. What I wonder what the hell L A is even going to be like.
1: Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm here in Highland Park where things are fairly normal. But if I ever go out to like Hollywood or like downtown where I used to work, it's uh, you know it looks sort of apocalyptic. It doesn't look like the you know downtown always was a little like gnarly Skid Row and all that. but that's That that seems to have spread everywhere. Like we went to Venice, like uh, like I don't know, six seven months ago, and it was just miles of tents. I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um,
0: I'd only ever seen a little bit of that in my times out to L.A. You know, I never really embraced the full Skid Row like uh, landscape. mm, That was one of the first things someone
1: showed me when I moved here. I think I lived here for like three days. He's like. You want to see another side to L.A.? I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, all right, I'll show you something. And he took me to Skid Row, and I was just could not believe my eyes. Like, it, now Skid Row seems to sort of have, like, spread out. Back then, it seemed like it was just, like, maybe one. But It just seems like it spread so much further. It's not as condensed as it, as it used to be. And uh, I used to drive it every day. It was on my route at work, and I would see some really insane shit. Really depressing shit. People look like they just gotten home from work, but they're sleeping in a tent. Um, wow, that's you know, up. and yeah, and I'm I'm not saying you know you know Austin definitely has some some homeless people, but it's it's a manageable number of of people. Something can be done to help them, and I think LA is. I, I don't want to say LA is too far gone. I don't want to be one of those guys who leaves the city they used to live in and then be like, "Yeah, that place sucks. Fuck that place." Um, cause the city has a lot to offer that, that that's great, you know, obviously. And LA is far from dead, you know, the movie industry and music, all that shit will always be here. Um, I'm just getting old and a lot of things I like about LA or, you know, the Arclight Theaters closed and all these cool things like the Steven Allen theater, where I saw Stuart Gordon's, uh, Nevermore play starring, uh, Jeffrey Combs. Oh yeah. You know, that cool little theater, probably see like a hundred people that's gone so a lot of the cool things are gone and like what's popping up is just high rises you know for like people like who are these people who can afford these places
0: yeah you know i kind of felt the same thing about uh living in new york honestly man it's like yeah totally i I probably stuck around like for two or three years longer than i actually should have you know and it's it's like now now i'm like you know, I'm glad I'm out of there, but like, I, I think I lingered a little bit too long. and Yeah, yeah. You know, and like I, there's, there was a lot of good times there, a lot of good times living in the part of Brooklyn I lived in. But I've gone back there, like when I have to go into the city for work, sometimes I'll drive through that area. And I'm like, man, this is like, I'm, you know, I, it's totally different than I remember it being. And it just seems so strange, you know. And so, yeah, yeah I, know- I, I feel you, man. I would love. I used to live in Astoria, Queens, for two years,
1: and honestly, I fucking loved it. Those are two of the happiest years of my life. Great food. I had two really good friends who lived in Brooklyn, who never once came to Queens. <laughs> I would always go to Brooklyn, but that was fun, you know. It was like a little like trip. Uh, and uh, man, I would love to go visit my old neighborhood and see what it's like, man, because it was. It was the best, dude. You got off the train stop. I think I can't even. I think it was like the N or something like that. I got off on Broadway and something. And there's one of those halal carts. I I really missed that halal cart, man. That hit the spot. Like ate there like three times a week. Two pizza places where I could see from the window of my apartment. Um, you know, just just real like nice, like just cool, like very New York neighborhood. The bodega where I'd walk in with my mom. They go, "Hey, mommy," <laughs> you know, and, nice. Um, yeah, and I had a cat and, and everything. I, I just missed that flavor. Of, uh, so moving back out to L.A., I did so very begrudgingly because I hated it when I lived there. I lived here for a year and then left and then came back. Um, yeah, I remember because, that. Yeah. yeah, trying to do ISIS while I lived in New York and most of the band was out, out in L.A. Like, that was tough on me, man. I, I don't like to fly. I don't like to be away from home that long. And between that and touring, I was away from home a lot. So I kind of begrudgingly moved back to LA, and and eventually started to fall in love with LA. Like I really, you know, I got a driver's license, which was huge because the
0: first time I lived in LA, I didn't have a driver's license. You I know? can't even imagine living in that city and not drive, not having a driver's license. Honestly, I was 32 when I got a driver's license.
1: <laughs> 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 That's insane. Now that I look back on, it, I'm like, what the? That's so ridiculous. But um, you know, now now I love driving. You know, I do it for a living basically it's what i've been doing for a living for forever
0: <laughs> that's funny man yeah, when yeah I, man. the area of brooklyn i lived in in greenpoint was like when i first moved there it was no one ever went there it was just desolate and i loved that it was so quiet and there was like little things here and there that were awesome you know what i mean yeah like, polish neighborhood right yeah for them yeah very heavily polish um yeah that's where vic the drummer for cable grew up oh i didn't I, you know i think i did know that but yeah, 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 very Polish. There was like these little cool spots. Like there was um, PhotoPlay video store. There was like the garden, which is like this organic, you know, like uh, grocery store basically. Very few restaurants, but the ones out that were there were kind of cool. And th- no one lived there. It was like one or two people lived out there that I knew. And I moved there and it was awesome. But then slowly over the course of like 15 years, Mm-hmm. You know, people find out about it. It becomes the place to go, you know, and it just transforms. And now it it's like a shadow of really what it was. And first I saw that happen in Williamsburg, which was like, you know, I lived there during that period when Williamsburg was like between being totally sketchy and then being like this kind of hipster spot.
1: And um, Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Do you remember, I remember going to those early North Six shows and yeah. there was literally nothing around. There was like exactly. a high place and
0: yeah. that
1: was it. And then when we went on our farewell tour with the, with the Melvins, we played there and that neighborhood was completely different. Yeah, yeah. Completely different. It was just packed and like, you know, bar, bar, restaurant, restaurant, bar. Like, I couldn't believe my eyes.
0: And that venue was no longer North Six. It was like this brand new, like, you know like sparkling spot like the Williamsburg Music Hall or whatever the fuck it's called these days
1: yeah 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 you know that's such a weird contrast Too, the stage sound there is awful well you go out in the crowd and listen it sounds amazing that's funny
0: yeah I've never played there under that you know management I played there at North Six but like never as a Williamsburg Music Hall
1: did you ever play that club in in in,
0: uh, um what is that club in that neighborhood Greenpoint oh uh well there's there, all right, there's a couple of different eras here. There's Europa, which was, like, just yeah, okay. to be upstairs. Um, it was, like, a, a Polish disco, basically. They had metal shows there. That's mm. gone. Uh, there was St. Vitus, which we were one of the first bands to ever play there. Oh, I didn't know that's where it was. Yeah, St. Vitus was in, uh, was in Greenpoint. Still, they just reopened this week with show, live shows. And then there awesome. was also the uh, Brooklyn Bazaar which existed for a period of time, and that is also closed, and we have played there a couple times. I'm thinking of the place, I saw a couple of shows there. You, you and uh, Randy saw uh,
1: Black Flag there. Oh, oh Warsaw,
0: Flag. Warsaw. Warsaw,
1: yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember driving up from Boston to see Mogwai in 2002. That's, and, actually, uh, that-
0: one of, that's actually one of my favorite places to see shows in Brooklyn that's interesting man because i thought the sound there was atrocious it, it is but i like going there.
1: It, <laughs> i know what you mean it's a fun outy kind of vibe like, it's just yeah it's a, just
0: a cool spot man and i probably i gotta be honest with you just over the last you know developments over the last few weeks i most likely will never go there again you know just uh, yeah to help yeah. You know, just to probably will ne- never be going there again so whatever strange to
1: think man but you know like you know you get older you start to see more of these things you love just disappear and uh sadly a lot of that has to do with this fucking never-ending pandemic and it's just tragic you know so many people losing their livelihoods
0: their clubs you know it's just just, just too depressing to even think about yeah yeah totally man you know but with that said a couple of new places have opened up in that area in brooklyn there's like a place called TVI which I'm uh, okay. going to see Bambara play there in October and um, a few weeks from now. and uh, I like that a, band. They're great, man. And there's a place called The Monarch, which is somewhere in either Bushwick or Ridgewood. And mm. uh, we're playing there with Nuclear Assault in November. So, Oh, nice. That'll uh, be fun. That'll be a first uh, for me. So that should be fun. Uh, awesome. Well, um, Mike.
1: usually we start off this podcast talking about things we've, uh, we've watched. And um, as I mentioned before, I took a road trip to Texas. And um, sort of also like touring, it was the hotel experience where you watch TV <laughs> and you watch a movie you would never normally watch. But it's, <laughs> you have to be familiar with this phenomenon. When you're oh, like yeah. Watching yep. something so stupid that if you were on your couch at home, you'd flip the channel. But, you know, because you're in a hotel, it's 10, 11 o'clock, maybe even later at night. You just watch the whole fucking stupid movie, and um, I have a few of those that I (laughs) that I that
0: I did. So what did you see, man?
1: Well, you know uh, what did I see? I'll start off with uh, Greenland, starring Gerard Butler, which is usually a sign that you're watching a pretty bad B movie. And um, I gotta say, for a hotel watch, pretty solid. Really, pretty good. uh, Yeah, it was a pretty good beginning of the apocalypse kind of movie. Wow. Okay. I was, and starring Gerard Butler, who I'm not sure if he was supposed to be an American, but that guy, even when he's trying to do an American accent, he sounds like groundskeeper, Willie. Like he just can't really, like I saw this movie where he played a grizzled cop and that's really how he talked.
2: Like, <laughs> I'm a cop.
1: <laughs> you funny. do what I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get on the ground. Um, so, but no, this was actually good. Like I, I, we, we had like, you know, like we were going out to to see that podcast and I was like, Oh, just five more minutes. I want to see how it ends. <laughs> you know, like I was definitely invested in it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, uh, I would actually recommend Greenland. It's like, you know, it's, it's a decent, it's a decent watch. And if you're in a hotel, it's a great watch.
0: Okay. Greenland. Um, all right. All right.
1: Yeah. Not bad. Um, Then I watched a movie from about a decade ago that I think I'd seen before, but recall nothing. Uh, battleship based on the board game. (laughs) I was going to say, is it based on the game? Wow. It is based on the game directed by Peter Berg at that, who is a respected director who has made some really, really good movies. Uh, he made that movie with Mark Wahlberg, the true story, lone survivor. Uh, he made Friday night lights. Uh, He's made some good movies, but he's made some stinkers. And I would say Battleship might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to turn around and be like, "Oh, this is great."
1: <laughs> no, it was fucking terrible, dude. It All was right. so bad, like, uh, so bad we didn't we didn't finish it in, in a hotel at like nine o'clock at night. Like I <laughs> would rather fucking stare at the wall than watch this. Um, and uh, we watched Venom with Tom Hardy. Okay. And, uh, I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling you've seen this movie. I know you like, uh, uh, you know, I had heard so much about how terrible it was and it was terrible, but it was watchable. Like, you know, I finished it. I was, you know, I was like, yeah, this is pretty bad, but it's not a disaster. You know what I mean?
0: I haven't seen it. Um, really? Only, yeah. Honestly, I haven't because I already heard that it was terrible. And when I was, fixing to check it out and I was like man I don't want to ruin the character really because I like the Venom character sure well Mike next time you're on tour and you find yourself in a hotel if Venom's on (laughs) um, oh for sure I would watch it on tour definitely
1: yeah uh yeah but normally yeah this is movies like two three years old and you know I was just the same thing I was like I have no interest in seeing him and and, and what a cast they sell Tom Hardy got reset and Ed as the bad guy and uh, this movie seems to have been written by a 12-year-old. I mean, it was just really, really dumb. And uh, I got to say, man, as much as I love Tom Hardy, I'm getting a little tired of his shtick. Yeah. His performance in this, like, yeah, yeah, I'm from New York. yeah, You know, like, uh, it, it, was, it was just a bad performance. I mean, and uh, it took place in San Francisco, which confused me because I always thought the Venom, uh, the Eddie Brock character, was a New York guy. and. They do yeah. address that, that at the beginning of the movie. They're like, yeah, I got run out of New York. I, I did this report, and they didn't like it. He's a reporter or something. Um, so I guess they just really wanted to set the movie in San Francisco instead of New York. I guess it was probably cheaper to film there. I don't know. but yeah, I find that hard uh, to believe,
0: actually. But yeah,
1: I do, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, you know, you got an hour and 40 minutes to kill in a hotel. Like, you know, y- you could do worse. I mean, I did finish watching it.
0: Yeah, so I you know I like the Marvel stuff. I like the way it's consistent and, and uh you know the Venom and the you know, all that stuff is is outside of that scope, so I usually don't watch those. Yeah, I
1: know I don't know much about the Venom character. I know he's very popular. I know like people were really disappointed by uh how he's portrayed in Sam Raimi's Spider Man three. Um but if they were disappointed with that, then then this must have been like soul crushing. It was just really like silly and I don't know. I always thought the character was sort of dark and was sort of a bad guy and this is more of an anti-hero. I don't know. I don't know much about the character yeah. but I know that the movie was, was pretty dumb. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right on man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm surprised. I thought you would have seen it just because you're in you know I know you're a, you know, a fan of Marvel and yeah, you know, even when I know something's bad if I'm a fan of something like I gotta see it. Like I think I mentioned on this podcast before I spent a lot of money to see the Wicker man remake. Cause it's a remake <laughs> of my favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah. And it was getting just shit on by everyone. But that, that didn't stop me from taking a cab to see the movie and then taking a cab back after I'd seen the movie and <laughs> spent like 50 fucking bucks to see that movie. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, uh, the same way I, had, I had to see it. I had to see, Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's just me, man. That's just how I am. Yeah. What about you, man? Uh, well, last week I mentioned uh, that I I revisited True Detective season two. I talked oh, about yeah, that with yeah, Mike, yeah. but I want to ask you. I actually, after watching it again, I fucking like it, man.
1: Uh, I liked it the first time around. I liked it even more the second time around. I think it's aged really well. Yeah. I think it got a bad reputation from like the cool. I was going the cool kid bloggers, like were like just shitting on it and then other people were like well i don't want to be seen liking this thing the cool guys are shitting on so i'm gonna shit on it but in reality like no it wasn't season one it was its own thing and i think it did tonally lose itself sort of like halfway through i sort of liked like the first few episodes are like this descent into hell um and these are just all deeply broken people um a lot of people criticized Vince Vaughn's performance. I thought he did a great job. I, I thought, thought Colin Farrell was I thought the three main actors were, were fantastic. Um, yeah.
0: And I think time will be kind to, to season. I think I, I like season two more than I like season three. I'll say that. That's interesting because I, I haven't rewatched season three yet. I remember all right, when I was watching season two in real time, I was super disappointed. And I actually never finished it. Oh, okay. oh, no, wait. No, no, I'm lying. I did see it because I do remember really digging the last episode. So, no, no, I, I, did, I did finish watching it the first time around. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, revisited it unintentionally, actually, because, like, one night I was watching the last couple episodes of the first season on HBO mm. Max. Right. I passed out on the couch and woke up, and that was playing. And I just continued watching it. And that's how I started. I rewatched season two. And it was, mm. I, I remember being like, at first I was like, oh, this is season two. I'm going to turn it off. But I was like on the couch and I'm like, man, this is actually pretty fucking good. And, th- and I watched yeah. it the whole next day it was a holiday. It was Monday. And um, I just watched the whole thing and I was like super emotional at certain parts, man. I'm like, some of the stuff towards the end is like really heavy, man. I was like really interested in that. So I, I give it uh, thumbs up on season two. Yeah, me too, man. And um, it's
1: interesting, you know, the city of Vinci is based on the city where I used to work, Vernon. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the, what they used for like the, the the exterior of the police station—that's the Vernon Police Station. It was right around the corner where I worked. Colin Farrell's apartment or house that he lived in was right around the corner from where I worked, and like it really is. I, I, I'm I'm kind of curious why they changed. Made it a fictional town. I mean, it really is a lot like, like it is just an industrial part of town. Really, not many people live there at all. Um, I just found that interesting that they ter- changed it from Vernon to to Vinci. I guess maybe they didn't want to offend anyone.
0: Yeah, maybe. That um, could be a reason why.
1: I also think, like tonally, it's not as consistent as the first season. You had the luxury of the first season of having one director do every episode, so he maintains that creepy. Uh, almost cosmic horror tone throughout the whole thing. Whereas this one, you know, Justin Lin, uh, most known for the Fast and the Furious movies, directed the first two episodes. And then after that, it was just, you know, a lot of TV directors, you know, not not like film guys. And I think that hurt it. I think that hurt it a little bit.
0: Well, um, well, season one definitely wins as far as consistency goes and overall vision. I mean, it, it, has, it feels like a, like you're reading a weird fiction story, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, yeah season two is definitely like more of a, a patchwork of different concepts, it seems like, you know what I mean? And I think that is definitely a fault for season two, but I, I enjoyed it way more than I did the first time around. No, oh, yeah, me
1: too. I wish it just kept the tone in the first few episodes where it's kind of, it's a cop procedural but it's very strange and had like a surreal quality to it. Yeah. And then it kind of, you know, like it kind of shifted after like episode three or four, I can't quite remember. Um, yeah, no,
0: I agree with you. Season two is, is better than its reputation. I thought Vince Vaughn was great in that actually. So I don't know why people were slagging him for it. I thought it was one of his better I... acting jobs. I did too. And it was sort of like his return to real, like, you know, he'd done these like kind of broad
1: comedies for like 10, 15 years. And I think people forgot that Vince Vaughn was, you know, a serious actor at at one point. And maybe he forgot, you know, maybe he's just like, I love cashing these paychecks for like, you know, bullshit, like couples retreat or like, you know, Whatever else he was doing. But then, you know, because around that time, you know, he did uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99. And then yeah. he did Dragged Across Con- Concrete, you know,
0: doing, you know, more serious stuff. Which, which is, because I, I think he's good at it. Yeah, those are solid, man. I enjoyed those movies. You know, even though, like, a lot of, like, uh, lefties probably think I'm some right-wing, like, extremist for, like, in those movies. But whatever. Yeah,
1: I I don't know. Like, yeah, those movies got politicized. I, <laughs> I don't think about that stuff when I watch it. I thought it was, I thought both those movies were... Fantastic. Yeah, now they're great. You know. Um that's a that's a good one though, man. You yeah. should you should watch season three. I'm curious what you think about. I probably it. Will. I rewatch I rewatched that and to tell you the truth, I was bored to tears. Like uh I could I could not get into it.
0: So yeah, I picked up another uh book I started reading. It's called uh Under Twin Sons, Alternate Histories of the Yellow Sign. And it's a collection of weird fiction short stories. And it was curated by uh, this guy, John Langan. And um, I heard about Mm. this uh, volume because I listened to the Lovecraft Easing podcast and they were talking about it a few weeks ago. So I picked it up and it's uh, so far so good. Uh, Were there any authors you immediately recognized or are they all new to you? A lot of them are are new to me. Uh, You know, there's, you know, some of the names are like uh, people I'm definitely going to follow up on, you know. So that's one of the reasons why I picked it up. I picked it up is because I wanted to get into some new act, new, new authors. So,
1: yeah, that's fun to do. I remember I was taking a bus trip to North Carolina, and I bought this anthology called Nine 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 because it had a new Stephen King story in it, and uh, it also had stories by Ramsey Campbell, Thomas Ligotti, Bentley Little, uh, William Peter Blatty. Uh, had a novella in it. Uh, obviously, I knew who he was, but. You know, discovering uh, Thomas Ligotti and Ramsey Campbell from that was was huge for me. And right away, reading the stories, I was like, "I am a fan of these two. Yeah. I'm gonna like this stuff." Um, you know, there's always a couple duds in there, <laughs> you know, sure, in, in any, yeah. any anthology. But like, yeah, it's it, it's fun to just pick up one of those and discover something new. I, I love stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's about it for me, man. I got I just got tickets for um, Chiller horror fest at the end of uh, around halloween so that the nice. time out in piscataway new jersey and uh mike is also going to that so we're gonna we're gonna be there together uh at one of the days and that's uh yeah that's about it you guys are gonna set up shop or
1: just kind of hang out by the door and be like yeah necromania <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I wish I could be joining you. I haven't been to a horror convention since Monster Palooza in like two thousand I think nine or ten or I can't remember. It was it's been a long time.
0: I I've, I've been but going to, a lot this year actually. Uh once things started once it was possible to do things, I made like a promise to just go to everything I wanted to go to. So I've been going going to a lot of these. That's great. I went to Monster Mania over the summer. I just went to the New Jersey Horror Con. Uh that was a couple last weekend and I'm going to Chiller, and, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to, like, reconnect with the world, you know? Amazing, yeah. I, I wish I could go. If there was
1: something like that out here, I, uh, I would go. But I, I, as far as I know, there's nothing like that going on. There probably is, but I'm just out of the loop. I don't, I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to look into that.
0: Yeah. So that brings us to uh, this week's movie, the brand-new <laughs> Malignant. which Brand ju- new? Just dropped days ago. Yes. <laughs> on HBO and as well as in theaters.
1: Yes, it is playing in the theater around the corner from me, and I still chose to watch it in the comfort of
0: my own home. Well, I got to be honest with you. I There was no way I was going to pay to see this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean,
1: let's talk about James Wan first. <laughs> what I mean, what do you stand on him as, as a
0: filmmaker? Not a fan. Yeah, same. Yeah, don't like basically any of the i mean all right saw the first one i like the first half of the movie okay insidious no bueno again great first half the conjuring um not bad but not enough to really win me over as to be a fan of his you know yeah i agree so that, that's where I stand on Gene. Those are the only films I've seen by him. And now this wonderful uh, uh, offering we were talking about tonight. I, I've seen all of his movies. I, I didn't like Saw. Again,
1: it was the execution. It was a cool idea. Uh, I thought the execution was, was, was pretty bad. And then after that, he made a couple of real stinkers called, I think, Dead Silence about a, a puppets. And then um, Death Sentence, which was like his 70s action exploitation movie That was that was pretty bad. And but somehow he, he was you know got he made this mainstream hit with The Conjuring, and then he became Hollywood's guy. Like you know after The Conjuring, he made a Fast and the Furious movie that was a made a billion dollars worldwide. Oh, good for him! And yeah, and you know both the Conjuring movies I'll say are, are better. Like they, they have great moments, but he always gives into his worst impulses and, and ruins them. Conjuring yeah. two I thought was, was was pretty good, and then you have this like cgi slender man come crashing through and just completely ruin the movie and um that you didn't so you didn't see aquaman i take it
0: no because i at that point i realized i was just like not that into his thing you know and and like and also me not being a huge dc comics guy you know and their movies actually in general i think haven't been very good
1: i was just curious like i was like they are actually making an aquaman movie something like 20 years ago, like people would have laughed at. I think SNL even did like a sketch about how ridiculous Aquaman was <laughs> as, like, as, a, as a character. Yeah. And I gotta say, man, if it was a movie I saw when I was like 10 or, or around that, I would have loved it. You know, it was like it was like when I was a kid and I saw Flash Gordon. I I, I thought it was like incredible. But if I saw that as an adult, you would think it was the stupidest thing you've ever seen. Uh, that's what Aquaman reminded me of, but you know, it was fun and coherent, but again, like he gives into some of his worst impulses in, in moments of the movie. And then, which brings us to malignant, I, I keep pronouncing, mispronouncing it. I always want to call it, um, so like, uh, Ma- Maleficent or something. No, and no, it's malignant. malignant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, you want to give some details first before we, uh, tear on in into this?
0: Yeah, so technically the release date was September 10th, 2020 by New Line Cinema. HBO is featuring it as well as theaters, select theaters, and for however long that run is going to go. Directed by James Wan, of course, who we just spent some time talking about, and uh, the screenplay was uh, primarily written by Aleka Cooper, and um, there's Mm -hmm. some other people involved in the writing as well. And uh, D... film clocks in at a whopping 111 minutes yeah you feel every minute of it (laughs) juan claimed this movie to be in line with giallo cinema and i don't see anything that has to do with giallo in this film except for some of maybe some lighting here and there
1: yeah um it's funny like someone like I was like oh I really like kind of like some of the lighting in the scene and then I realized it wasn't part of the movie it was the lighting we have around our TV. Okay. Like we have back lighting on our TV that can change color and like we had it on red I'm
0: like oh this scene's kind of cool
1: but was, oh wait the red is from our wall it has nothing to do with the movie.
0: Yeah but there was um, some there was some lighting things they did. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: For sure. There's a lot of like reds and, 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 you know, yellows and blue, you know, the police station, you know, like the, the sirens are kind of like lighting the, uh, uh, that those giant glass lights, like red and blue. And that's, you know, and you also have like the knife, you know, killer,
0: which is sort of like, you know, I can be, that's sort of giallo. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort I, of, yeah, maybe man. I don't know. Like that, that was what I was thinking too, but I was like, you can't call it a giallo just cause you got somebody with a knife in. You know,
1: no, I agree. Uh, I this movie had very little in common with the Giallo, and if he thinks that's what he made, he uh, uh, I don't know, he's, he's confused,
0: <laughs> very confused.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't buy yeah. it, but I, yeah, because I had read that too. So going into that, the, the, the intro, I was like, they must be going for some sort of camp, like you know did you go back and you watch those old gialos they're a little silly and campy and they don't make a lot of sense and the acting's bad and and so like when i was watching the intro with that in mind i thought maybe that's some this is intentional but as the movie went on i just realized that it it wasn't intentional the acting in this movie is just fucking atrocious
0: dude bad is not the word for it man it's terrible yeah and, but also it's like Giallo films don't have like a monster in them. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a guy. It's a person.
1: Right. Yeah. And oh
0: God, there's so much wrong with this
1: movie. I don't even know where to begin. Okay. Like, I, I, I'll just get that off, off off the bat. Like, I watched this movie with my jaw on the floor through most of it. And then during the last 20 minutes, I was rolling around in hysterics. I, I, how bad it was. I was like, it went from like being kind of silly and, and dumb but somehow enjoyable to just laughable. Um,
0: so uh, how do you even describe the plot of this movie? It's, it's all over the place. Yeah, the plot is all over the place. But I got to be honest, like, the actual plot itself wasn't so bad. Just the script was terrible and the, and the acting right. was terrible and the, and the movie was terrible. But, but the, um, okay, there's uh, a woman... Well, actually, I don't even know if I can say this. without giving too much of it away. Well, it, I mean, uh, we should right off the bat say, if you haven't seen this, you probably shouldn't listen yeah, to you it. Yeah, you should see the movie. Yeah, we're going to have to spoil it. So if you haven't seen Malignant yet, maybe put this on pause, go watch it if you care to, and listen to the, our analysis of it and see if you agree. Okay, so uh, the movie has, features a woman who um, – is in a toxic relationship. <laughs> hey,
1: you know what's funny is you get that before he even says a word. Like she walks in the door and you
0: read, immediately you realize this guy's a piece of shit. Like his body language, he's just yeah. he's watching he's watching a UFC event and stuff. And I'm like, oh great, yeah. you know, which kind of kind of a bummer because that doesn't mean you're a fucking toxic male if you watch MMA. You know, what I mean, I watch MMA every week, you know.
1: Right, of course, but that's just, you know,
0: I guess, well, I guess you know, pain, some... uh, painting in broad strokes, which this movie does a lot of. Well, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some people out there who claim I am a toxic male, so what that Hey, okay, well, Mike,
1: I'm not one of them.
0: I know. I know that. <laughs> so, um, she's, she's, she's with child, okay? That's one thing. She's pregnant with this guy, right? And it turns out that you learn that she's actually... Has had several miscarriages over um, over the course of their relationship, and that's a, that's actually, believe it or not, significant as the plot progresses. Okay. There's a lot significant going on in this little intro. Yeah. So the guy's a piece of shit. Um, you know, she's tired. She's, uh, well, she's a nurse. She has like scrubs on or something like that. And uh, yeah, I I, I want to go back to that when you're done giving like <laughs> yeah. talking about the plot. And uh, you know, she's um, tired. The guy's cranking the, the UFC. Uh, and then, like, <laughs> she turns it off. And he's like, hey, I was watching that. And then uh, she's like, well, I'm really tired. And then he just gets all toxic with her. And, uh, you know, intimidates her. And then eventually pushes her against the wall. And she smacks her head into the wall. Okay. Now, that is a very important part of the plot. Very. Uh, later on the guy gets murdered by this mysterious black figure, okay? Now, he doesn't get stabbed like in a Jalo film, you know? His head gets bashed in, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the rest of the movie is, what is this presence? Like, significant people are getting, uh, you know, captured, killed, and murdered, and, uh, you know, you spend a lot of the film... Is like, well, what, what is this thing? You know, there's like hints to the of the origin as being a separate person. We learn that the main character is uh, her name is Emily May, or I'm sorry, her name is Madison. Um, is is adopted, and uh, she was in some sort of asylum where there was like they were being studied. And, and for most of the film, you think that there's two two people. Because she keeps, right. you see, develop as she's developing and growing up. There's like she's referring to her, her, her secret friend or her her invisible friend, and they're like, oh, you, you have. She grows up with an invisible friend, basically, and for most of the movie, I thought that she actually had a brother that had these bizarre powers, and the brother was met, was like following her through life, you know. Yeah, uh, but that's actually not what's what's going on in this film. No, and I I kind of guessed it, but like I
1: wasn't really. I was only like half right. Yeah. So just describing that plot, that does that sounds
0: like a pretty interesting premise for a horror movie that you can make a good movie out of that, right? Exactly. I mean, I think that that storyline is actually pretty interesting. I mean, it's the execution of this film is just what sucked.
1: Yeah, and like it's tone, it's tonal inconsistent. Like if it was, I was going for like something more surreal, I would be able to forgive how out of reality everything is. Like, like you said, she came home in scrubs, so she's a nurse. And she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. My stomach hurts, so they sent me home. And I'm like, you work in a hospital. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to get checked out or something?
0: Yeah, no, totally.
1: And, uh, you know, she hits her head pretty hard, which is a huge plot point. But at no point did they put a bandage on her bleeding head. Nope, not at all. <laughs> which, which I guess, like, again, like, if you were going for something more surreal that didn't, like, you know, was more dreamlike, sure, you know, but like, this movie tonally doesn't know what it is. It goes from like, you know, deadly serious to surreal to campy to absurd, and sometimes all within the same scene. I mean,
0: this movie is is completely all over the place. Real quick, do you know any of the actors from anything else? No, I did not. The only person that
1: looked sort of familiar was like the mousy, con- sort of, I guess, who's supposed to be comic relief. Uh, she was a CSI girl. Yeah. The girl okay. with the glasses who's who's kind of got the hots for the um, the hot young detective. Yeah, yeah. That was completely um, pointless plot point in there, really. Yeah. Completely pointless. That character, I don't even know why it was in the movie. Um So, uh, it, while the main character, uh, God, what's her name? I I only watched this once, so I'm not
0: as well, well, uh, prepared. Well, her name, her Uh, name is Madison. uh, Yeah. Her her name is Madison. And the actress's name is Annabelle Wallace. She looks familiar to me. I thought she was the girl from, uh, house of the devil,
1: but she wasn't. I looked her up on IMDB. She's been in a lot of stuff, but nothing that I recognize her from, uh, while she's in the hospital, we're introduced to the lead one of the lead detectives and her sister. Her sister shows up dressed like a princess. <laughs> for, I mean, I, I I don't even like. She's like, oh, I'm an actor, but like, it's such an odd choice for such a like a serious moment, like. And uh, you know, the cop shows up. He's like, I, I got some questions for you. The whole thing is framed and shot like it, like like almost like a
0: sitcom. Like, there's no weight or heft to, to it yeah it and, just, yeah exactly it's just it's paper thin just the whole thing it seems like i i never once really like got immersed in the film the whole time i was watching it no it was so distracting the way it
1: was shot james wan does this like you know these like digital camera work it, it, it kind of takes you out of the movie like uh I'll say one. There was a. I love the the exterior of the house. The house that was chosen as, as as her house, I thought was a good choice. The house looked great. And um, there's exactly one cool shot in this movie. After she gets released from the hospital, she goes home. After where her husband was was brutally murdered, she just goes home <laughs> by yeah. herself. Yeah, uh, as you do. And you know, there's a shot of her, a long shot of her, and, and it's shown from up above of her running through the house. And that was like the one cool shot in the movie. Uh, I liked that. And, uh, but that's one of the few nice things I I can say about it. And, you know, um, I mean, the sister character, when we meet her, like like I mentioned, she's dressed like a princess. And then the next time they're in the house saying like, look, your husband was a piece of shit. (laughs) It's like, yeah, he was, but, he literally just died. Yeah, and that's that was having, a little
0: harsh. I thought for sure for someone yeah. who was recently murdered in the in the house, you know. And that was the thing. The dialogue in this movie is something that would never. It just
1: seems so unnatural. Like the, the people would never talk to each other the way these people talk to each other. And the lead investigator is so dumb that he like it's pretty obvious. Like his partner, who's like the the. Sassy black woman of the movie, uh, um, because that's how she's written. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not you know, <laughs> uh, that's not my opinion. Um, she's like, she's like I-, I think she, you know, I think she did it. She's got motive, there's no forced entry. But this, this cop, the other cop, is like, hmm, I don't know, let's investigate further. But like, these are seriously the, wor- the worst cops in,
0: in, in, in movie history through a lot of the film though we see this this uh black, dark figure that's uh dressed uh, kind of like Danny filth from uh, Cradle of Filth <laughs> 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 uh you know just kind of like spasmodically moving around this like real gothic looking attic and uh one of the the thing that bugged me so that that bugged me number 1 just like this stupid obvious Fucking thing that Juan created And then the other thing that bugged me Was the fact that yeah, broad, broad, The thoughts were being broadcast Through like You know a fucking radio or something And it has like this You know black metal Like voice coming out of it And I'm just like man What a fucking stupid idea Really You know what I mean Oh totally Totally That was a
1: It was a, it, it does, and, and in the end It doesn't really make a lot of sense Nope not at all None because I mean, God, where to begin this movie's So, like, uh, we we, we learn that, um, okay, so after that, uh, uh, some murders start taking place, and uh, our hero, Madison, is in the like, not physically in the room, like, it, her, like, she'll be in her apartment, and then digitally, the apartment melts into the victims' homes, and she is witnessing, uh, what was his name, Simon, or something like I, I, I should have. Um, she's witnessing these murders take place. And you no, know, I read a lot about the gore and brutality of this movie, but, you know, there's not one killing in this movie that, like, I really felt and was, like, like cringed at. Like, oh, that's gross. Like, because it was so computerized looking. It didn't, you know, feel it. And for the most part, the movie doesn't really show it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really, there, there's... A couple of spots, a couple of gore things I thought that were kind of cool. But, like, for the, by and large, I thought it was pretty pretty bad. Yeah, like, the first killing you see, like, you know,
1: you see the the killer swing upwards and and bashing the person. But you don't actually see the act of violence. You just see this, like, digital blood flying everywhere. Yeah, I think really only one of the main killings you do see is the second one. Uh, the guy in the bed where uh, he's being stabbed repeatedly in the in the face and the body that was that was pretty good, um, but uh, I mean if I were the the police I would just arrest her right away. They come to the the police saying I know where the next body is and and what happened and she's talking about psychic connections and all this stuff because apparently the main character is psychic but it it is adds nothing to the plot she's psychic but like it's really more of a red herring to throw you off to think like she has some sort of psychic connection to the killer
0: yeah it's very it feels just like like a salad made out of all these different ideas and different set pieces and different concepts that are just kind of mixed together And I really feel like they assembled this whole script and this plot in the course of an afternoon and decided just to make this film.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, what's cool about horror movies is, yeah, people just throwing ideas. Psychic, but, like, she only uses really uses, in the end, like, when you think about her psychic abilities, is uh, she can make the lights uh, explode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because you learn, again, spoilers, that she really doesn't have a psychic connection the killer she uh, how do i even explain this the the the, the three the three main people she uh that 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 the killer knocks off in the movie you realize they have a connection uh the killer has a connection to they were doctors that that trying to that were trying to help help him when he was a child and um he's knocking them off but also you learn through terrible police work, that um, that uh, Madison was also a patient at the same hospital, and apparently Madison has
0: also had the same haircut since she was nine years old. <laughs> Which yeah, this like that cool like goth like bangs, dark hair, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's
1: like oh, you know, this is the young Madison because she has that haircut. Uh, it, it was just so silly, and. Um, you learn a lot of this backstory, all the interesting stuff from old videotapes, which uh, is a trope that kind of drives me crazy. And they use a lot of it in this movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's a little bit overused at this point, you know, Um, conceptually, it it turns out that she had a a twin. Okay. Or, Or a Siamese connected twin that was like embedded in her nervous system. And, uh, you know, there's there's this theme of it's time to remove the cancer. And that's yes, essentially yeah. what these doctors did is they like lacerated this these fucking appendages off of her back. That was cool. Like the, the scene of them, the parts where they're, they show they show the doctors cutting away this this tissue. It's kind of kind of interesting. Kinda, kinda, yeah, kinda it's cool. kind of. Oh, absolutely. I agree. The way the footage was found,
1: that was absolutely absurd. Like, like the cops don't figure this out. The sister uh, figures it out right away and drives to this abandoned uh, hospital where all the records are kept meticulously intact. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: abandoned, like, you know, 30-year-old fucking place, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, whatever. Again, in a more surreal sort of, like, film, I can accept these things, but in something that I think is trying to make a serious movie, it just comes off as laughable and absurd. And, uh, but you're right. That scene was kind of cool. The big reveal where you see, um, Madison and the camera turns around, and you see she has this thing growing out of her head and her spine. It has arms, it has a face. Uh, you know, it's pretty
0: repulsive. And it was one of the only, like, shots of the movie where I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's fucking cool. But also, just, it also lacked real impact, too. You know what I mean? It's like, it was just like, oh, cool, let's look at this cool thing. And, but it was, more like it felt like it was on display like there was no actual like art to showing that you know what i mean right yeah and again if it wasn't like a grainy
1: videotape it was some sort of like flashback maybe would have more of like an impact or something but like so much of the backstory was these recordings from the hospital or like you know home recordings of her talking to her imaginary friend and and things like that it just really bothered me i wish it was a more clever way they would have they would have. Uh, they would have dealt with that. Did you we ever? Also, uh,
0: did you ever read uh, sorry, the ahead. dark? Read or see the dark half?
1: Uh, you know what's funny is I thought about that movie a lot while while my girlfriend and I were trying to figure out what when we were trying to guess what was happening. Yeah. Throughout the movie, and I was I, the dark half came up. I never read it, but I've seen the movie. Uh, it's been quite a while, but that's what I thought. Like, well, no, I'm sorry. That's what she thought. It was like you know,
0: like that part that was. Cut out, has grown and become a full-blown person of their own. Right, and except that, the, and Stephen King did it a lot better than this film did. Where it's like, you know, that duality—the two people—you know—kind of manifest in a in a cooler way. And like in this one, it's literally part of this other person's brain is embedded in her brain. Right, and, and it's dormant, but it's like with all that cutting. What kind of fucking scars would you have had man? Like they don't even talk about something like something like that, too, you know Exactly like that kid's
1: back would be completely mangled from a surgery like that. Yeah Um, It, it would be You know obvious, you know, there's not even like any attempt to explain it away because I mean they're trying so hard to 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 misdirect you from like what's really happening that like that it becomes absurd like like the whole thing about her being psychic you know and you think oh they have a psychic connection but they're but they don't
0: they're the same person yeah yeah and that could have just been that that's a cool idea but it just could have should have been done like way better like i, I don't think they needed to go into the um you know the, the the malignancy being removed like this whole body horror aspect didn't really need to be happening in this film to make it interesting
1: Right. And like, you know, there's a chase scene in the movie where I was like, okay, like mate, like this has to be some sort of psychic manifestation manifestation of her thoughts. And that's why this thing can move in such an unnatural way and seemingly can't get hit by bullets and can do parkour and all this crazy stuff. But when you realize it's just her, it it becomes absurd. Like she's like this killing machine. Yeah. Uh for no reason. She's just this normal nurse, I guess. I mean, it's never really brought up how she lives, how she affords that house or anything. It is kind of a sick um, house,
0: actually. I have, to admit, I have to admit, it's a nice house. I
1: have to admit. Because we got to talk about the prison scene. Like, okay, what she's <laughs> finally arrested because um, why they, um, the cops are having um, our hero there get checked out by uh, a therapist, a hypnotherapist and you know it goes again like the sister is present at this for 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 what reason i don't know and anyway that ends poorly and then someone comes crashing through the ceiling literally (laughs) and it's the oh we forgot to mention like the the killer has been holding someone prisoner we don't know who or why but holding them prisoner in this very, like, steampunk-looking attic.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I hate that attic, man. I hate it.
1: I hate it, too. And what makes little sense is, okay, so we mentioned um, her husband slams her head against the wall, and that's an important plot point because that's what wakes up the killer, her brother. So when exactly did she set up that attic
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like no that there was a lot of thought a lot of in, a lot of interior design a lot of intention that went into that attic yeah and like her her whole get up that where'd she like, get that that danny filth outfit
1: yeah exactly like none of that
0: really made any sort of logical sense but
1: whatever they're like okay here's someone who's missing they just crashed through their attic it's pretty clear what's going on and they arrest her and, uh, you know, we get a, an interrogation scene where somehow uh, one of the cops has her cell phone, has not been logged into evidence. He just happens to have her cell phone. And uh, they get a call from the killer, which, again, is a red herring because it would be impossible for the killer to make the call because the killer is literally attached to her. Yes. So I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out. I was like, did I miss something? How is this like going back and thinking about it? Was like, How is
0: that even possible? It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like that by that time I I was already like looking at my watch and checking my phone to see if anyone had texted me with something to do besides watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was kinda I was like, Well, there's still like thirty minutes to go,
1: so this there's obviously something that's gonna happen. And uh oh boy, does something happen. <laughs> so they put her in the most obviously um set jail cell where she can literally shake the bars and she's in there with the most like costume designed criminals <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like like I turned to my girlfriend and I was like apparently this black woman has been in here since the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what I'm talking about? She's she's dressed like she just came out of studio fifty four. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. With a big afro I'm like, what is going on here? Like it's so silly. And, of course, they're like, look at you, you know, you pretty girl. What are you doing here, you know? Uh, And that awakens the killer inside of her and then sets off, I think, a good five or six minute killing spree, she goes on. She kills everyone in the cell. Uh, She kills the guard. The guard finally shows up after she's been brutally murdering people for like a good, you know. (laughs) three or four minutes. Um, she's doing it with the skill of, like, John Wick or, some, or yeah. someone who's in The Matrix. Like, yep. where did she learn is, that? Who learned that? It, you know?
0: How'd she get those yeah. skills? It's,
1: it, it, is, it, it is such a baffling choice for, like, a horror movie to, to make this turn. She gets out. She gets all of her stuff. She doesn't kill the mousy uh, CSI girl because, I, I guess, we're you know – that's a character you're supposed to like, even though it's such a non-character. Um, gets she gets her outfit back because the outfit is very, very important to the killer. Even though like there's no
0: real connection, this killer has been dormant for like 30 years. Well, the killer obviously likes black metal because the killer's voice is like <laughs> sounds like Varg, you know, or like yeah, Burzum <laughs> voice, and he's got this Danny Filth like outfit, you know.
1: Yeah. It's a, and, and then during the killer's escape, she dismantles at least, what, 10, 15 cops? Yeah, yeah, brutally, yep. All while being shot at and never once being hit. And yeah, taking him out with this, like, lethal assassin style. I thought, I thought it was, this is so absurd, this has to be part of the plot. Like, at the end, we're going to learn, like, she was trained by the government who knew about her you know crazy like you know uh brother all along but no that's not the case they never she even touch somehow. on it
0: they never even talk about that ever
1: yeah it is so absurd and then you know we find we realized the person she was keeping hostage in the um attic was her birth mother who is now in the hospital recovering from her injuries and you know the the lead investigator you realize like that's where she's gonna go, and you have this complete cop out of an ending and to make a bad movie even worse. Like, you know, she kills the killer, kills the sister, and kills the mother, but you realize somehow, uh, all, all of a sudden, that uh, that Madison has learned to build a prison to keep her brother, in, and and like the, those killings were imaginary. Oh yeah, was, yeah fucking stupid and it it comes out of nowhere it's like you couldn't have done that before you killed like
0: 50 people in the Seattle police police department well it also it it leaves the option for maybe doing a second one of these and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth you know what i mean
1: i don't see in how any scenario for her doesn't end with her in the
0: electric chair yeah or getting shot down by the cops (laughs) you know like straight up like shot you
1: know yeah, like her and the sister are hugging at the end. This movie has the audacity to have a happy ending. Like there's no like epilogue showing her going to prison or like you like anything. It just ends with them embracing and then credits roll and you're like, oh well. you yeah. <laughs> are like, oh okay, everything's gonna go back to normal now after you just murdered like thirty, forty people.
0: <laughs> I also hated the score too.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I I did too. Yeah, like the sort of in, like dated industrial sort of score. Did did you notice this? Maybe I'm crazy, but one of the musical cues was very reminiscent of the Pixie song "Where Is My Mind."
0: Yes, and there was also a song that I I didn't check, but it sounded like like Roxy Music or something like Brian Ferry. No, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Yeah, there was like a, a part of. Um... A scene where there was a they're playing a track that had vocals and i was like oh brian, yeah i remember that being so out of place and weird it stuck out like a sore thumb and part of me was like what is that a, is that a roxy music song or like a brian ferry like like solo track or something
1: yeah i um yeah i'm glad you brought that up i i'd kind of forgotten about that because i was so yeah i was just i'm like am i crazy or like the the score, like, part of it, like, was very, like, Pixies-esque, and and if it was Where Is My Mind, it's really on the nose, (laughs) too, which drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think it was the actual track, though, I think it was, like... No, it was, but it seemed like an orchestration of it, like, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna do, like, a a version of that, um, I mean, there's really... Very little I liked about this movie. I, I liked, like I said, the overhead shot through the house. I thought that that gave me hope that that movie was going to correct itself and then be interesting. But I was wrong. Uh, I thought the house, the exterior of the house, whoever found that deserves a raise because that house was great. Uh, setting a horror movie in Seattle. Great idea. Although most of this I would imagine was done on like a soundstage, but there are obviously shots that are clearly in Seattle. Uh, I just wish it was more, you know, made it more part of the atmosphere. Um, I did have kind of fun watching it through most of it because we, like I said, we were just kind of like, "This is movie is kind of silly," and I don't think it realizes how silly it is or how like how dumb the sister character really is and how poorly written everything is. It's not just her; just everyone is spouting like this inane, stupid dialogue. Um that's really the only thing I can think of, of things I liked about it. Just everything, the tone of this movie is, a, is a mess. Uh, the score sucks. The acting is <laughs> fucking atrocious. The direct, I, I cannot believe this guy did two huge franchise movies, uh, with the, you know, the uh, three or more like, you know, he's, he did the fast and the furious. He's doing the un- Aquaman. He's doing another one. Uh, people just hand this guy a ton of money. Like, it, it I can't imagine that 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 pe- people that the studio saw this was like great, perfect, release it as it is. <laughs> it is, it, I, I and and yet they did like it exists. I I'm, I'm shocked that a big Hollywood director can make a movie this bad. I mean, I can accept his earlier movies, you know, when he's a young filmmaker being kind of shitty, and, but like you mature and. You know, you go on to make big Hollywood blockbusters and then you return to horror and you make this, which obviously costs a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely (laughs) spent budget on this for sure. Yeah, it it was just baffling to me. Completely fucking baffling. Uh, To the point where, like, I don't know, are people going to be watching Is this going to be like a midnight camp movie for people in like 10 years?
0: <laughs> I'm, curious, I'm curious to see if anyone even fucking likes this movie i mean it seems like people are enjoying this movie i know it's only been out for a couple of days at this point but
1: i checked on rotten tomatoes last i checked it was at 74 percent, which i honestly like was trying to guess i was gonna like oh, i'm gonna say 15 15 nope 74 wow. no uh i didn't read any of the reviews but i think i will now uh but I think it was screened very late for critics, which is never a good sign. Because um, they're trying to hide the fact that they have a piece of shit on their hands. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I, we're talking like final grades. What would you give this?
0: I'm going to give it a one because a zero is just not part of our scale, you know. Uh, and all, But I have to make the additional statement that I wish I had more hands – to give more thumbs down to this movie.
1: Yeah, Mike, uh, I was going to give it a half. A half. But <laughs> um, but like I said, I did laugh a lot watching this. Uh, and I did mention a few things that I did like. The house, the overhead shot, the yeah. Seattle setting. Yeah. Uh, so I give it a star for that. And that's really about it. The rest of this is... This is one of the worst movies. I say this all the time, but this is really one of the worst movies I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you on this one, man. And and uh, the, one, the thing that's funny is they set this in Seattle, but they didn't really play up the dreariness of that city. Exactly.
1: Like, I mean, like, it should have been part of, like, the atmosphere and everything. And, like, this movie really, like, again, like, totally all over the place, like, like, like the house is like this normal looking house. And then they, when you go to the police station, the police station looks like a Brooklyn loft that had been converted into a police <laughs> station. Like,
0: it doesn't look like like a, a station in reality at all. Yeah, actually, it, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I was going to bring that up, too. Yeah, it's a very weird police station, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll say this again. In a better movie, in a stranger movie, I can accept that. But in this kind of film, whatever the fuck this thing is, I I, I can't. Because I think their intentions were not going for camp, were not going for anything like that. I think they were taking this seriously, and they maybe like a couple characters were supposed to be comic relief, but I don't know what the relief would be from. This movie isn't scary at all. There's
0: no tension. There's no scares. Like
1: it's horrible
0: on every level. Yeah. There's literally no tension, and uh, it's just all over the place, like tonally. And, um, yeah, that police station looks like it was from like Gotham or something, you know?
1: Yeah. Like if it was like, you know, Tim Burton's Batman or something like that, that it would have, it would have felt more in place or like, you know, yeah have the Gotham TV show, something like that. Yeah. But here it just feels utterly
0: out of place. Yeah. I'm just trying to think there could have been a better approach to this whole thing. Like maybe not have it this like weird, you know, black metal guy, fucking monster thing. And, Play it more subtly, maybe, and not have like the, uh, you know, the the body horror aspect of it. Make it more psychological, possibly. Right, and
1: like you know, maybe he could have taken more cues from Argento, and like something more like, you know, if, if you want to see a much better version of this movie, I that watch Tenabra is oh, ten, kind of ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It shares, more, it, it shares some things in common with this. Because, you know, I was thinking Giallo the whole time because they, they mentioned that in the press. So I'm like, I like like, okay, they want you to think, like, this is a play on that. That's why I thought the whole time, I thought the whole time she was the killer. And, like, right. just imagining herself separating, like, the good part of her
0: from the bad part. Well, that so techni- technically I was sort of right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's that's the thing. I think that with, the, with it, The giallo in mind that it would have been cooler to play it more psychological because like earlier on i said giallo films don't have a fucking monster in it you know what i mean right it's like it would have been way cooler if like maybe she was like locked up with like personality disorders or something and you know or she did have it or they could have played it like the dark half where there was like some weird twin that got removed but the fucking spirit stayed behind or something and she was possessed by two personalities, and you know, like one went dormant, and then the other one went out and killed people. But it was actually yeah. just her with a knife and a fucking trench coat. And she's apparently a kung fu master too. Well, that—that that, that i would have taken the kung fu stuff out totally, but like she just would have knifed people with like a black trench coat on, you know? And yeah, gl- and black that gloves and all that stuff. The
1: only good that can come out of this is if people read the word "giallo," who aren't familiar with the genre, maybe they'll go back and watch one and and see, uh, you know, a good one as opposed to whatever the fuck this yeah. is trying to be. Yeah, totally, man. Because, uh, yeah, man, I I don't know who this movie's for. It's not scary. It's oh. not. It's not. It's not a good homage to the old. You know, I I read somewhere, this is a love letter to the Giallos in 80s and and 90s. I was like, what are you talking about? This is like an insult to those movies. Yeah.
0: It's just for some generic motherfucker, man. It's just for someone out there who doesn't even like horror or know anything about horror films or the genre itself to watch after they watched, uh, you know, Sex in the City on HBO or something like that, you know? Right. And that's kind of what those Conjuring movies are, too, to me. Like, they're, like, leaps and bounds better than this. yeah.
1: But those are like thrill rides for a mass audience who, uh, like, who want, you know, want want jump scares, which one is really good at. And uh, there's none in this movie. There's no jump. There's not even like a, yeah, a, a cheap jump scare. There's just nothing. Nah, there isn't, man. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can really say. One of the worst movies of the year. <laughs> if not, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen anything worse this year uh, or something I hated more. I'm sure there is, but, um, uh, It's so fresh in my mind from watching it last night. I just really, really hated
0: this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a piece of garbage. I'm sure everyone, no one that listens to this show, obviously, but I'm sure like people out there in the world are going to love this movie, but we hate it here at Necromaniacs. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Well, hopefully, Mike, the next one we do is uh, is better because it literally can't be
0: worse. Yeah, well, well, we'll pick something cool next time for sure, man. But it's good. I mean, this is like a brand new film, man. So it's our duty to report on it, you know.
1: It is our duty. We we do this for you, <laughs> people out there. Yeah. And uh, James Wan, if you're listening, I know you are. I know he's a big fan. Uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't like
0: did not like your movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please don't make a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Take care. Take care, everyone.
3: I thought I heard you say it. Thought you said you missed me. But you only missed me. I thought I heard you say They've done you in good And yes, I believe they would May I console you